Welcome to So Gross, Such Point, Much Blank. I am your faithful host, Blake Collier, and with me, as always, is the stunner of a ho- co- <laughs> is the stunner of a co-host, Joe George. How you, you holding know, I, up in the summer weather you're currently in? I, I the weather doesn't bother me, but the fact that you couldn't even get stunner out without <laughs> tripping over oh, yourself. I, I we know it's out. a lie, and now you've hurt my feelings. <laughs> I got a stunner out. It was the co-host part that I was. Doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm sweating, man. Oh yeah, it's 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 hot here too. Although it's not as hot as it could get. We haven't hit a hundred yet, thankfully. So, so with us tonight is author and illustrator Bob Cram Jr., who came to our attention by way of his March 2021 piece for Screen Age Wasteland on why Gross Point Blank should be canon. How you doing this evening, Bob? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, for sure. And so were you born and raised in Maine or do you just yeah. live right now? Oh, okay. yeah. No, no. I'm I'm uh, born and raised in the center of Maine with Mount Katahdin, uh, nice. which is the highest mountain in Maine, which is ridiculously low by everybody else's standards. <laughs> but it's the highest mountain in Maine. So, yeah. But you have miles and miles of coastland. So <laughs> that's true. Yep, absolutely true. Actually, where I live uh, is about 20 miles south of where Salem's Lot is set in Stephen oh, wow. King's okay. novel. So, oh, very not, cool. It is, yeah. <laughs> First off, like we asked most of our guests, and, and admittedly, most of our guests so far, so far have been first-timers, but how did you come to Gross Point Blank? Well, I, so I'm, I'm Generation X. About the time that the movie came out, with my 10th uh, class reunion was coming up. And we'd always been a big fan of, of John Cusack from his teen films, mostly. Um, and, and my wife and I were like, let's go, let's go see a John Cusack movie. So we, we decided to go, and we both fell in love with it. I think we bought the soundtrack, like, the next day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we were like, okay. <laughs> Absolutely, got to have this, and and uh, yeah. So we actually saw it in the theater when it was released. How how many times would you say that you've seen it since? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, wow, a Not as much <laughs> yes. as you guys, yeah. but, but I've, I've probably seen it maybe 25, 30 times, something yeah, like that. That's oh, no, right. that's up there. That's that's yeah, that, that's, that's, a, that's a good amount. <laughs> so no, it's great. just one of those go-to films. There are a few films. I, I always refer to it as films of the heart, where you don't actually see any flaws, you don't feel any negative emotions towards the film at all. There, you can watch it anytime, and that's one of those films for me. So, yeah, 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 near and dear. That's that's why we do this podcast mainly because of me, because I'm a psycho. <laughs> but <laughs> you seem so normal. I know. He, I know he it's crazy. seems like uh, it. He is not. A, I, it, it's one of those things where I, I dress normal to hide the the, yeah. the insanity. Yeah, it's a real person suit situation. <laughs> so, so you said you were coming up on your tenure when the movie started to come out. So, the soundtrack is a thing that we always we always gravitate towards. But I I'm older than Blake and most of the people that we have on the show. But it sounds like a little younger than you. I'm I'm either the youngest Gen X person or the oldest millennial. I, you know, I was it was in high school when this came out. So. Everybody that we've talked to, for them, the the soundtrack is what we imagine those characters would, would would be listening to, and it strikes us as yeah, this is there's a verisimilitude to that. But as somebody who was there, is that accurate? Are those the tracks that we're, we're playing for those folks? 
What's funny is I think it's more true for my wife, who who is actually a couple of years older than I am. I grew up in northern Maine, and, and we had two radio stations, and it was pop, music, mm-hmm. and country. Okay. So I didn't even, you know, hear anything that wasn't top 40 or mm-hmm. like Waylon Jennings and Johnny Cash until uh, I would say my junior year in high school, and uh, a friend of mine, a guy named Billy, handed me a copy of The Psychedelic Furs. Mm-hmm. It was like, just just try listening to this. And then those last two years of high school, yeah, very much. Okay. A lot of the, you know, uh, Violent Femmes, when, when it starts up with Violent fa- violent Femmes, I can't even say the word Violent <laughs> Femmes. <laughs> uh, we can't either. So yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> I, I was sold, Yeah, you know, from that from that moment on. So, yeah, it cool. does. It a lot of people listen to that to that music. So maybe not in my town. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, yeah. I uh, I would never have listened to any of this stuff in Amarillo, Texas, which is where I'm from. So this would it was country or bust right. in that part of the country. So I didn't I didn't even know I probably didn't even listen to other music outside of country until I was probably in college. So <laughs> yeah. It was a uh, 90s country or bust. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Screen Edge Wasteland, you, you wrote this piece. And so is the the idea of the canon for that site, is that just for the site itself? Or are y'all thinking more in bigger terms of like, this should be considered actual canon? Screen Age Wasteland is, is like a second iteration of a previous site that we, we were doing. Um, I think it was just articles about the, the AFI's top 100. Mm-hmm. So when we went to this new site, we decided we were just going to make our own list of, of what films, if, if it was up to us, what films would be put into a vault and kept for future generations. So we voted uh, several rounds, argued about things. And I, at every round, you know, to be, to be clear, my job on, on Screen Age Wasteland is to write about horror movies. <laughs> yeah, so I write I write uh, an article on every Friday about older horror films, and then I do a Monster Sketch Monday thing. Every level, I fought for uh, Gross Point Bank to be included. And at one point in time, people were like going, we're not going to include The Matrix, but we're going to include Gross Point Blank. <laughs> and I'm like, you're damn right we are. <laughs> so when it made it all the way through, I was so happy and, and immediately it was like, I'm going to write that article. Okay. Oh, so. That's lovely. That's a, that's a great service you did for this, <laughs> for, for the people out there and for this podcast, especially. So we, we thank you for that. And also you're talking to a couple of horror freaks that write about horror all the time yeah. too. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. You're a, uh, you're in good company. That's awesome. <laughs> Enjoying that as well, you know. So, I that that the way that you described it kind of informs the, the way they described sort of writing of the piece kind of informs your 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 introduction, at least the way that I'm reading it. Because the the, the way that your your piece kind of intro begins is kind of defensive isn't quite the right word, but you're fighting for it to be included. And yeah. the first time I read the article, I was like, gosh, I haven't. In our experience, we haven't run into anybody who doesn't like the movie. Like, we get weird looks like you're doing a podcast about one movie. <laughs> but, you know, everybody that we've run into is like, yeah, that's a really great film. So have you encountered some resistance to it? Well, I, I don't think it was a resistance to uh, about whether it's a enjoyable movie. Like, mm-hmm. everybody mm-hmm. I know 
enjoys watching the movie. I think yeah. there was, especially at the beginning, when you're when you're trying to compare yourself to AFI 100, which, <laughs> to be clear, we're not. But, but we're talking about films that are, we have films in there that include, you know, classic films like Psycho and mm-hmm. Gone with the Wind and, and uh, The Seventh Samurai and stuff like that. And when somebody holds that up and, and you're like, yeah, but gross point blank. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, I think there was a little bit of pushback, but maybe, yeah. maybe not as much as I felt like there was. Sure. Because mm-hmm. I, when, whenever a new round would come out and I'd be like, oh, gross point blank made it. I, I guess some <laughs> other people voted for that too. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, yeah. it's funny that, that the, the movie feels like I didn't realize this when Blake when I when I responded to Blake's uh, uh, call on Twitter for somebody to do a podcast with them, but since we've kind of started this project and we're a couple years in because we've been banking episodes, it feels like there's this kind of general feeling of people kind of recovering the movie and this combination of um, people liking it and this sort of sense that it's it's probably better even than they remember, and so that's why I kind of appreciate what your what your your piece is doing because I think. I know this is self-serving, but really, I do think it's not sort of on a vanguard of being the movie's about to have a big comeback where where people are discovering it as it, it stood up for about 25 years now. And it's got a lot it, it's got a lot more going on with it than a lot of movies that were of that dark comedy ilk that were coming out at the time. You know, it's it's much better than all the Tarantino knockoffs that came out around that yeah. that, that period. Um, and so. I do think, I mean, we're joking, but I do think that it's it's heading towards, if not canonization, at least a critical reappraisal that, yeah, you know, we'll make a, Blake and I millionaires when we sell this to a major podcast. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. We've, we, we've already uh, we've already tweeted at a uh, uh, criteria. Yeah, that's they, right. They put out gross point blank. We want to do the writing material. Nice. So. They have, yeah. they have promptly ignored us, and I think Blake yeah. has lost. Yeah, so so. <laughs> we, we, we didn't even get a like out of it. You get, you get, a, you get a tweet uh, Arrow films. Oh, there oh, you go. That's, that's yeah. beautiful. That's nice. nice. Even better. I think I'd probably feel better about writing for Arrow films anyways, because they're they're kind of like the underdog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think I've got as much Arrow as I have Criterion. Well, that's because we're horror freaks. Well, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's but I mean... <laughs> That's yeah. true. That's true. Not to you know, not to downplay Criterion. I just saw that they are uh, releasing Incredible Shrinking Man in October. I saw that. Ooh. Yeah, it's like one of my <laughs> favorite awesome. '50s sci-fi films. So. One of the things that you bring up in your piece, and, and I think this is kind of what we want to center the rest of the of the time with you on, is is there's a there's a line or there's a, a section that you write about the characters that John Cusack kind of inhabits. You start out with, uh, and this is a quote, the oddball idealist whose self-involvement and certainty bordered on, but never quite crossed into, narcissism. And you say that that goes into Martin Blank, who is a man who looks into his heart and finds a hole or a certain moral flexibility, as Martin says in the film. Why do you think that there's that shift do you, do you think it's strictly because of Cusack wanting to mature in his acting, or do you think that there's some greater uh, conspiracy of uh, like idealism that, that Cusack is kind of, he's like, I'm going to build on what I've done before and I'm going to create this grand character narrative. 
<laughs> wow, that's a, that is a lot of. It's funny, and there is no wrong answer. No, but, <laughs> you're you're completely wrong, my friend. Because uh, I, I watched uh, uh, say anything today as well, because I was like, what I really wanted to do was my my favorite of the the older Cusack films is actually Better Off Dead. It's mm. it's one of those those. Uh, you know, I know that it's kind of a messy, loud oh, kind of. Uh, that's hilarious. I love that movie, but it's it's nowhere to be streamed at the moment. So, mm. so I ended up digging out my say anything, and and reminded me just how good that movie is. And then I, I as I was watching, I was like, there's this sort of innocence to Lloyd, and this sort of just inherent. Uh, goodness that comes from not really having faced the real world yet almost and yeah. like i i think that lloyd dobler in that movie is is one that's going to move through life with that goodness intact but i think for a lot of people and i think for cusack in particular once you you reach a certain point in your development and, and whether that's the arbitrary distinction of I finished high school. Now I have to be an adult or whatever. You you try and find a seriousness that you you might not have found as a younger person. And his films like immediately after Say Anything, things like Grifters, mm -hmm. uh, even even uh, oh, what was it? Eight Men Out. Is that it? Yeah, Eight Men Out. Yep. And then Which City I'm, Hall and yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then, yeah. so those are. Those are darker characters that almost feel like I'm doing these characters because they're dark and because I want to be taken more seriously as an actor and I want to be more, you know, serious. And then Gross Point Blank comes along and it's at that 10-year period where we're all, you know, preparing to go to our uh, school reunions and we're, it's a moment to take stock. So it feels like okay, I tried all this darkness stuff and I've moved through that darkness and now I'm ready to take a look back at the stuff that I dismissed as being, you know, bubblegum, frou-frou, not that important and and maybe try and and become the person that both of those people are. So, And that's what Gross Point Blank feels like to me is, is the first time that he tried to be more coherent as a person and not just reacting to things so and that that That's is the first take. thing that he wrote mm -hmm. you know yeah and, and produced for himself with with his friends of course and it sounds like he largely had a, a near full control with several aspects of the film so right that that it's almost a love letter from him yeah <laughs> yeah 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 now that's so that, so that's interesting that you would you would say that lloyd dobler that you don't see a world in which that goodness ever leaves him, which would kind of fly in the face of what is kind of the popular mythos of the three film trifecta of uh, say anything, gross point blank, and then war Inc. Mm -hmm. uh, some would include high fidelity and high fidelity almost feels like the alternate universe. If <laughs> he stopped being a hitman and Debbie left him, you know, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. He just assassinates people's musical tastes instead of. Uh... Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
so so that's that, that's interesting that that you would say because because I would almost agree. Like Lloyd Dalbert doesn't strike me as someone who would turn not necessarily turn bad or turn evil, but he would always be seemingly positive mm. in his outlook. Um, and you wouldn't see that kind of darkness that you see in blank or, and I don't remember his name in the, in, in war Inc. Mm. It's been a while oh, since God. I watched that one. I, me either. Oh, wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's, it, I think that's a, I think that's, an aspect of that kind of famous or that kind of cult mythos that people like to talk about that people don't bring up. And I think that's a really, really fascinating point uh, that you make. It's uh, I, I, I just happened to glance over and realize <clears throat> his character name in war Inc is brand. brand <laughs> oh yeah. It's, it's like Hauser. Yes. Brand Hauser. Yep, like brand that? Hauser. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And it's, yeah, it, that's, I'm so, I don't know what to do with that film. I, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm so excited to rewatch it. I yeah, me too. Me too. I just I uh, it's 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 a film that feels like I should love it, but it also feels it feels like the guy that that tells the jokes at the party and keeps LBU going. Huh? Huh? <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. yeah. No, I get it. it's supposed to be funny. Yeah. That's yeah. Okay. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd on the toilet. I got it. Okay. Yeah. It, it has all the elements of what you would expect someone who likes gross point blank to like it, but it all feels kind of forced. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and so, but, but I, I do recall, especially having been Kingsley in it, there were certain charms to it that were, that were pretty, pretty fun in the moment. Uh, even though they didn't kind of hold up. Uh, you said that you have, because you're you're a, you were a fan of him in the 80s and you probably generally speaking you weren't like me where you watched every film from the first one class till hot tub time machine right <laughs> including the ones i had to find on vhs right and i had to go to my grandmother's house to play it because she's the only person i knew who still had a vhs player um so yeah you're you're not ab- you're, you're not abnormal like i am so how would you read john cusack as far as his career, kind of his larger trajectory goes, do you think it kind of flows with that same? Because because you make a very interesting point with the kind of tying the characters together, where he's he's you know starting out with this teen oddball teen, he's going into these darker roles because he wants to react, as you kind of put it, he's wanting to be taken quote unquote seriously, and then you say gross point blank, uh, kind of makes those two coalesce. How would you explain what comes after that? Because that's the big mystery of John Cusack's career. Yeah. Oh man, that that's interesting because oh, you know the the two people that I I for whatever reason I tend to think of John Cusack and oh uh, Nicholas yeah, Cage. Nicholas, I tend yeah, to yeah, think yeah. of him and Nicholas Cage as being similar kind of actors, and I I'm not sure that that's and you know, there's no real defense for that assessment, but I, I tend to think of them as people who are serious about the craft, interested in doing the work, willing to do stuff that isn't necessarily the best, and trying to put a, as much of their uh, themselves into that work as possible. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not sure why that seems to work well for for Nicolas Cage. Who can who yeah. can go from something really incredibly, uh, you know, stupid, 
to something really well crafted and mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to carry any baggage with him. But for some reason, John Cusack seems to have this, you know, he's done so much video on demand stuff yeah. and and it feels like why why is he he's who is so serious about this job and doing being mm-hmm. an actor and being a good you know citizen how is he so bad at, at managing his own career you know i'm like the best stuff that he's ever done that if you said to people what are your top three john cusack movies i i would say most people would say say anything goes point blank and high fidelity, maybe mm-hmm. being John Malkovich is in there mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. but uh, two of those he wrote, he was involved in writing mm-hmm. and producing. Why is why mm-hmm. is he not moving more into that? Yeah, I, I don't know. That's that's such a good comparison. I never thought of it that way, but yeah, you're right. I mean, there's something. I think in their in their bad movies, you know, Cage can kind of famously elevate uh, a really bad movie just by being weird you know and and, and, and as yeah. much as the internet loves him when when, when nicholas cage is checked out of a movie it's dreadful like he mm-hmm. has a very yeah. low and, and i don't see cusack being able to do quite the the, the same thing you know his direct-to-video movies he's kind of checked out but i feel like both that, that critics are pulling for both of them, you know, um, that, mm-hmm. you know, you, you still hear people talk about how good Cusack is in Chirac um, is, yeah. a, is a fairly recent dramatic role that he was in. And, and, and I mean, Love and Mercy. Oh, yeah. Love and Mercy. Yeah. 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 And so people are I think people are pulling for him in the same way they're pulling for for Nicolas Cage. I mean. We're recording this on, on on the 15th of July, which is uh, Pig comes out tomorrow, and right. <laughs> he Nicholas Cage is excellent in it. So oh, so good. It's a, I mean, oh, and, look at you saying it before. <laughs> yeah, I saw last week. It was amazing. Um, that's awesome. That's hilarious. Yeah, no, I, I mean, and that's what I'm getting at though. Is is I feel like if 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 Cusack could somehow plug in to to a movie like that, that's you know not necessarily as weird and moving as that particular movie is. But if he could get something like that, I think critics and, and audiences are ready for him. Um, and I yeah. think he could do it too. It's just, yeah. golly, he's just, he's, he's kind of stuck in, in red box land and mm-hmm. isn't, isn't kind of bringing the same energy that cage has. But when, when he's checked in, he is like in those movies, he's still outstanding. Yeah. I have to admit, I, I hadn't realized that he'd done a, uh, uh, Chinese epic action movie with Jackie Chan. <laughs> oh, I've heard about that. I, I had not heard about it until I was doing some <laughs> some reading. I was like, I gotta see that. I oh, haven't course, seen it, but yeah. I've heard it's good. Like, yeah, like it's definitely yeah. worth so watching. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, but, and I guess Adrian Brody's in that too. So, yeah, yeah. Hey, sign me up. Yeah, sign me up. <laughs> but I, oh, I read an interview with him. That's what it was. Where he was like, oh, nice. you know, you you get films, and some you think you're choosing the right things, and yeah. you don't know what you're choosing. And then sometimes you get films that are like Jackie Chan wants you to come to China, and he's going to choreograph <laughs> martial arts fights with you as a legionnaire. Yeah. And how can you say no to that? And I'm like, yeah. can't. <laughs> yep. It's, well, and surely, and, and surely, uh, Cusack is still doing his kickboxing. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he should be still in, in decent shape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. 
part of it for me is is when we're talking about him basically checking out i, I feel like occasionally you get a significant uh project that that gets him on board and and he's required to actually check in act and and do as well as he as he always does when he's checked in but i would say that probably one of the reasons why he's not checked in is because he's too busy being political and it's not necessarily bad but it's <laughs> it's it's he's his his attention is elsewhere um and he's 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 almost become a uh <laughs> the twitter version of uh a public intellectual <laughs> i guess you could say so that's including the bad spelling and the <laughs> which he is notorious for uh not not uh checking his tweets before he sends them out so um but yeah it, it seems to me that like he, that's just not what he's interested in right now and so uh he probably does you know these straight video movies just to get a paycheck so that he can actually turn his attention to what he wants to actually talk about so, yeah and, and you know uh, as as we're thinking about this i'm feeling bad about some of the things i'm saying because um i, I think another issue kind of in there is he does checked out characters really well. I mean, that, 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 I mean, that's what Martin Blank kind of is, is mm -hmm. a character who doesn't want to completely be honest or know how to be honest. You know, when he's telling people that he's mm -hmm. a hitman, nobody's believing him. And there's that kind of, he's living in that, in that space in between. And that's, and, and that's yeah. kind of been his bread and butter. And so if the movie doesn't, work on that vibe you know again i i, mm -hmm. I love the nicholas cage comparison again cage can go into a bad movie and just be wacky you know and that's his vibe and that yeah. and that elevates it uh cusack can't go into a a bad drama and try to play a cool character or a internally conflicted character and have it sit the same way i don't think the director yeah. or, the, or the the rest of the talent that he's working with quite works as well so i do want to back up some of my shots against him <laughs> as i'm going through oh yeah well and, and all my shots are are in in absolute love because he's he's he has been and, and will continue to be one of my all-time favorite actors so and even some of the straight video stuff is is pretty solid i mean it's not it's 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 not uh your your typical kind of uh lifetime fair so yeah. it's like there there are people there they have journeyman directors that they 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 do the work they do a reasonable job of it and it makes whatever money it makes and there's nothing wrong with that so i just i can't i i, I just can't understand why he he has the skill to make his own fortune yeah you know, in, the, in the sense yeah. that the stuff that's been really good not not just the stuff that he's done, but he's been able to make his own, uh, you know, write his own best performances, and and he still has that skill. Mm -hmm. But so you know, to, mm. to to your point, like you know, maybe there's just not enough time in his his day for everything that he yeah, wants to yeah. do, and the writing, you know, we we all know writing takes a lot longer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then, then maybe we think it should, but it's it's maybe there's just not enough in that tank to to do that and be an actor and be an activist. But I, I think if he if he could, you know, take a year, write yeah. your dream project. Mm -hmm. But you know, that's I'm just some guy sitting in a room in Maine <laughs> with the septic <laughs> tank just pumped. You know, I don't have a lot of <laughs> insight, and I know that he feels like like. Uh, 
Hollywood has changed considerably. Yes. That it, it's a lot harder. It's a it's very much a more a uh, what can you do for me? Yeah. Sort of business than it used to be when he would yeah. when people would take you under their wing and that sort of thing. So. Yeah. yeah. So so guys, hear hear me out. Okay. This is this is the, this is the comeback. This yeah. is the comeback for for Cusack. Face off two <laughs> with Nicolas Cage and John Cusack. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I thought I, you were going to say a Marvel movie, but you just no, that, no. Oh, I, but he I won't do that. He won't things. do. He won't do tights. <laughs> really? Really? Yeah. He said he won't do it. Huh? Yeah, he said he would never put on tights. So okay. So, oh, but I mean, come on. There's been some interesting, fun stuff. Yeah. There. So I <laughs> oh, think yeah. You know, close yeah, the door that could be really helpful to him. Well, um, I mean, is any door ever really closed? Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, and I, again, I think that he's got public will on his side. Like, I, yeah. I, I really yeah. do think audiences would be very happy to to, to see him in a it, – it, you know, it's funny um, – since we're talking about Marvel movies, uh, the way that people have been responding to Owen Wilson in the Loki TV show, it's kind mm. of the same thing where there's been a lot of, a lot of mm. critics are like, That's gosh, nice. it's, he's really good in this. And it's really great to have him back. And I, I feel like people would do the same thing with Cusack. So I'm telling you, take the Disney yeah. money. It's, yeah. It spends. You can, it's, it's because <laughs> it's because they couldn't pay uh, Luke enough to be in it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, didn't I just see him in something recently too? Yeah, he was uh, he was in something. I can't remember what it was though. But uh, yeah, I, I I've always considered him to be the better Wilson brother. But what? That's just me. That's absurd. Oh, yeah. Okay, well we don't have time to. Wow, that is such a bad take. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> All right, I want to. I, uh, I like them both. I can't you. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's like. Wait a bit of diplomat. Yeah. <laughs> and also the third one that was in Battle Rocket. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh my well, God. Anyway. Was he? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. It's been a long time since I've yeah. seen it. But I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm there's a... I'm not actually even sure if I've actually seen that movie. What? So, As a native Texan, aren't you required I know, to watch it's, it's horrible. every I mean, I've Linklater and uh, uh, oh, a Sanderson yeah, movie? Isn't that a... Okay. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> I just haven't seen it. It's one of those blind spots. Give me a break, yeah. Joe. It's, Come on. It's it's all right. It's worth watching. Watch. watch. Okay. Anyway, move forward. I'm not top time machine two yet. Uh, <laughs> I, I I will stand hot tub time machine one. That's, I, I it's think really it's actually fun. really funny. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so do you have any other thoughts about basically just gross point blank as a film I, I know that in your in your piece you you talk a lot about uh, one of the other ideas that i really like as kind of a way to kind of end this interview off is you you mentioned the music being mm. a uh, greek choir or the, the 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 famous like uh greek uh chorus yeah man that's that that was a fascinating take i had never really thought about it but it works perfectly especially with the examples that you you bring up in the piece what made you think of that you know, I, I'm not really a, a huge uh, music person. I love music. I love listening to music, new music, old music, whatever. But I don't really think of it in terms of like, like the first time that I watched High Fidelity, honestly, I kind of bounced off that aspect of it, mm. that, that people were so invested in music. And, and I say that as somebody who grew up in the, in the 80s and 90s, I made my share of mixtapes. 
<laughs> so, you know, in that, that line that he has in, in uh, High Fidelity about a mixtape is using another person's poetry to tell how you feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's That part resonated with me, but it, it took several uh, views of Gross Point Blank before I started to pay attention to the lyrics and how pointed that was towards the scene yeah. that, and I was like, I actually rewound. I think it started about uh, about the time that he goes in to talk to to Debbie for the first time, mm-hmm. and and I suddenly realized, and I I'm blanking on the song now. Actually, no, it was just before that. The the whole thing about it being harder. The and I. Oh yeah, yeah. The the army getting. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I had to rewind the movie and watch. Just paying attention to the music and how often the lyrics seem to resonate with the scene itself, and they do that to some extent in High Fidelity too. And mm-hmm. but but for whatever reason, maybe it's just because of the the songs that were from my adolescence. It really echoed with me watching Gross Point Blank this time, and I was like, yeah. it's a whole new experience watching it. Like that adds another layer to a film that I think is already a pretty pretty deep and complex film and also made me like there's a ton of songs that they didn't use but wanted to use mm-hmm. and i'm like i gotta i don't think i ever went out and bought the second soundtrack <laughs> i'm like i need to go buy that and listen to that thinking this the same thing so That's interesting. yeah it you know, there's there are some films that are like that and can i tell you what one right now yeah like, yeah, go for Please. it. No, no, I mean, oh, oh, I mean, I can't literally think of one. Right oh, now. <laughs> okay, oh, we were so excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm stuck. Now I feel like I let you down. Now I'm, I'm no, cracking no, my good. brain. You're good. There's some other. It's it, it's exactly what he and I do on a normal. Like, <laughs> let each other that? down constantly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and also the listeners. So yeah. yeah. And then, like the only film that I could think of was uh, was actually The Nightmare Before Christmas, but it's a musical. It's kind of supposed <laughs> to be like that. <laughs> Doesn't really count. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Bob, for coming on. And uh, and and do you have anything coming up or uh, any illustrations or any? Uh, articles that are coming up that you want to promote uh i have a short story coming out this month in an issue of a magazine called northern frights which is the magazine of the horror writers of maine and uh, tomorrow i will have an article on the movie rogue which is a giant crocodile movie from oh even better from (laughs) yeah from the guy who directed uh wolf creek Mm -hmm. and And uh, and every Monday I try and do a monster illustration and write a little article. This week's was about Bob from Day of the Dead. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I've 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 got to admit that while we've been talking, I've been I've been scrolling through the your your illustrations from your uh, Thirty One Days, Thirty One Horror Movies book and and seeing if I could identify them all and enjoy them. So I, I'm, I'm sorry if I was, yeah. your, your illustrations are amazing. These are fantastic. Oh, yeah, they are. And Thank you. They are very good. I, I 
I haven't watched my Arrow edition of the stuff that I bought recently, and your stuff image over here is telling me that's what I'm going to do as soon as we're done with this. So, so I, I, I'll plug it for you. Um, check out 31, uh, 31horrormovies.com, and that's 31 is the is the number. I mean, in Arabic numbers yep. now. Um, I think check that out. Has it on sale, actually, right now. Oh, really? Yeah, nice. I think they're trying to blow it out. So. Oh, you... <laughs> Well, Let's these do illustrations it. are amazing. So, <laughs> thank you. Yes. Sorry for distracting, uh, being distracted, but thank you for <laughs> these oh amazing God, so much illustrations, fun guys. Your your podcast is amazing. It's so <laughs> you're obviously so enthusiastic, informed, and interesting. I, I encourage everybody to, you know, odd, odds are if they're listening to this, they probably <laughs> already do, but uh, <laughs> they should. So See, they that related to, to us. That's that's what we tend to go. So that is all for So Gross, Such Point, Much Blank. We we thank you for joining us, and we thank again thank Bob Cram Jr. again for coming on the show. Check out his illustrations; they're they're brilliant, and uh, and check out his uh, his writing on Screen Age Wasteland. We are your hosts, Blake Collier and Joe George. Join us next week as we continue looking at Johnny Nash's discography. This podcast is us. Thank you for listening to So Gross, Such Point, Much Blank, part of the Film Inquiry Podcast Network. If you like what we do, head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and a review. Every bit of feedback gives us the ability to expand our audience. Our podcast theme was created by Jans. You can find his music and other projects at jansofficial.com. Our podcast outro music was created by Jeff Hansen. Our podcast artwork was created by Jeff Weirich. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at SoGrossPod, that's gross with an E. And you can find Blake on Twitter at Lost in Osmosis and Joe at J.A. George II, spelled I-I. Hey, bing, 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 bang. Popcorn. Yeah, whatever. <laughs>